0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. 19 days away from the opening of Mississippi State's college football season. We'll have college football here in a couple weeks. It won't be the same, but you know how it is, right? You'll have a chance to sit and and kind of watch and get hopeful because uh, you know really nothing gets us fired up more than watching our team play watching teams that we're going to play, watching the Southeastern Conference. You know, it's the best conference in all college sports, so it's fun to get together and and watch those things, and it brings a lot of discussion, you know, and, and, and there's always going to be the hot take, right? There's always going to be that team, the SEC team, that, uh, you know, hammers somebody in week one. And they're like, hey, look at this, and then they go four and eight, five and seven, you know. And it happens every year, every year. There'll always be that one team in week one or week two. They're hey, this team may – May challenge for the SEC, doesn't always work out that way, right? Uh, but so today we're going to talk about a lot of things, a lot of football stuff today. Uh, no baseball on the show today, even though tomorrow uh, I'm going to be meeting with Justin Parker, your new pitching coach, and we're going to go over the pitching lab. I'm going to do my best to uh, to write an article about what exactly is the pitching lab. What do they do in the pitching lab? Are we building pitchers there, right? Not just literally, but figuratively. We'll see. So we look forward to that. And, uh, you know, baseball practice starts on Wednesday. But our primary focus right now is college football. And it's it's taken us a long time, kids. And, like, it's interesting. One of our posters brought up on the message board today about how August is kind of like the worst month of the year. I kind of tend to agree, except for the fact that at least camps are open, right? I mean, yeah, we start getting preseason NFL games and stuff. the month of july there's like nothing you know college world series ends and you're like if you're an mlb fan i guess you get the all-star break and home run derby and all that kind of stuff that used to mean so incredibly much to us but um yeah august is tough and i think a lot of it you know camps open so for us you know in the media it's good because you get a lot more content opportunities and we get a chance to you know kind of learn about the team and uh kind of find out how things are, are shaking out in practice but um It's still tough because I'm so eager, right? It's been so long since we played for anything. The month of July, I'm still just kind of getting over that, right? And it's like usually we're playing postseason baseball in June. And so then all of a sudden, you know, July is like your vacation month and we have top dog camp, things like that. But um, August is kind of rough. It is. July and August both. And you say, well, you know, kids are back in school, whatever. I don't have any kids uh, that are in grade school anymore. So – uh, it's a little different deal, but uh, I'm ready, like all of you. I don't want to fast forward to these couple of weeks because you never know what you're going to run across, right? You never know what life has for you. But uh, I'm looking forward to all of us getting together again for the first time in a long time. Uh, on September 2nd, Davis Wade Stadium. You fine folks will be here tailgating and all that kind of stuff. And let me go ahead and prepare you now. We'll talk about it again before the ball game parking's gonna be tough so you need to plan ahead afford yourself more time to get here and don't be frustrated when you leave because parking, due to all the construction uh, is tough and they have changed Bailey Howell Drive as you approach uh, you know, Humphrey Coliseum and all that it's down basically to one lane yeah, it's true I don't know why we did that, nobody asked me though, but on game day you need to be prepared you need to be prepared, wives I'm being your friend here. When he says we need to leave at ten, you probably need to leave at nine thirty, and you probably need to be the one uh, ready at nine o'clock and kind of pushing everybody out the door. Because I'm sure he's going to tell you, "I got it all figured out. It's all going to be fine." And then he'll be the one freaking out behind the wheel and honking the horn and flipping people off and banging on the steering column. I mean, you 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 know your husband, and I do too. Well, I haven't been your husband. I have been that husband, right? So go ahead and be thinking about that now. If Last year, if you said, hey, we usually leave around here. Give yourself an extra hour. Well, Steve, I don't want to get there and have to sit in the heat. Well, you know, you're probably going to be in your car in the air condition, burning gas. But parking situation, the first month of the season especially, is going to be very, very difficult. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I haven't been in there in about a week or so. I need to get in there and check them out. I I was just craving a cheeseburger uh, yesterday and uh, satisfied that craving with something else. You know, sometimes just the thought of going to town is just more than I can bear. Uh, But when I do go, I love going to Bulldog Burger Company because I know exactly the quality of meal I'm going to get. I understand the expectation of the service. I know the experience, the atmosphere. I know what to expect. It's one of my favorite places. To go eat and it was before they sponsored the show so be sure and uh check them out next time you're in town and you, and now that the uh the bulldog burger company empire is uh growing you don't have to wait for game day you can check them out in central mississippi on lake Harbor drive in a ridge and Florida area of course northeast mississippi and tupelo on gloucester street and of course the flagship university drive here in stark vegas Go buy How the Spring Rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Get that great restaurant-quality hamburger. And listen, I'm not going to tell you what you get. You know, maybe you, maybe you need the veggie burger. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you want that Mississippi barbecue burger. I've been kind of having a hankering for a pimentology ad bacon. That's the original barnyard burger right there. That's the real deal. And I don't even like pimento and cheese. I, I don't. You know, when we were kids, you know, we go to dinner on the grounds at church somebody bring that whole big old case of sandwiches and they'd all be pimento and cheese? You know, like, yeah, man. Ugh. Anything but that. But I love the pimentology hamburger. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It's kind of made me rethink my thought on pimento and cheese sandwiches too. Maybe I had too early a gong on that as a kid. Maybe I need to try again. Maybe. I get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Ride that ride home with a smile. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M E A T. All right, we have spent a lot of time talking and kind of prep preparing for the season. We're gonna do. Uh, we have three SEC team previews left. That's it. Weeks again. We got you know three weeks of shows before we get there. So we're gonna wrap up our preview of the SEC this week. Next week we're gonna start previewing the uh, non-conference opponents, just kind of from a you know, peripheral point of view. And then we'll get into game week and we'll do a detailed preview of southeastern Louisiana uh, and kind of look around the league. But our previews will be done. And one of the reasons we did that is because you and I both know by the time we get to game week, there's going to be a lot of things that pop up, right? There's going to be injury reports. There's going to be uh, players perhaps uh, around the league that are winning starting jobs. Quarterbacks will be announced. We have a lot more to talk about then. But uh, what I want to talk about today is uh, take a quick look at our non-conference opponents. We talk all the time about having unique matchups, and that's the big thing. Oh, it's a unique matchup, and we got this. We never play these guys. Uh, We have some very unique matchups in a non-conference schedule. Maybe you're familiar with this. Uh, You know, we, we always talk about playing the Louisiana directional schools. You know, we played UL Lafayette, who used to be southwest Louisiana. Played them several times we played UL Monroe, who used to be Northeast Louisiana. I don't recall us playing Northwestern State in Louisiana, but we've only played Southeastern one time in our history. That's it, one time. And believe it or not, that was in 2008. And, of course, they went a long time without having football. But uh, got back in the mix, you know, several years ago. But, um, you know, looking back at last year, you know, for Southeastern, and and real quickly – the last matchup between state and southeastern was 2008 during the sylvester chrome era and we won 34 to 10 34 to 10 the only meeting we ever played and they play down at uh, strawberry field there in uh, they call it strawberry stadium but i mean come on but the lions last year nine and four overall and five and one in the southland conference but um you know, interestingly enough, this is a team. It's a pretty quality FCS team. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to come in here and, and play us well. But, uh, yeah, in their league, they're a really good team. And they play well. they got a good program. Uh, they made it to the FCS playoffs last year and then won over the Idaho Vandals in week one in a barn burner of a game, 45-42. And then they lose at Samford in overtime. In the second round. So, this is a program, obviously, that, uh, you know, expects to win. Now, they're going to come up here. You know, listen, they understand from a talent standpoint, it's going to be a much different deal. But if you're thinking those guys are going to come up in here and just lay down for us, you're kidding yourself. We're going to have to play football. I mean, we ought to be able to be very vanilla and out talent those guys. But they're going to bring an edge and have a little swagger about them. And what's interesting, the, uh, first three games of the season for Southeastern are on the road at State, at South Alabama. That's a nice little little drive over there, like from Hammond to Mobile. That's nice. And then at Eastern Washington, up at Cheney, Washington. So they begin on the road, cashing a few checks, I suspect. And then they get into uh, some big-time stuff. They'll take on Mason Miller and uh, Tarleton State on September 30th. A bit of a homecoming for Coach Miller. But, uh, again, you look up and down this, and, yeah, will they be good in their league? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the first three weeks, going to be a little difficult. And of course, Eastern Washington is an FCS team. But anytime time you, you got to get on a plane and go that far, uh, you're asking an awful lot of your kids, for sure. But, uh, again, State 1-0 all-time against the Lions. Last year was the first meeting between Mississippi State and Arizona. Of course, State wins that game 39 39- to to 17, and I remember there was so much hype about them like going into playoffs. Like they had gone to San Diego State the week before when they're, um, you know, unveiling Snapdragon Stadium there in San Diego, and they whipped San Diego State 38-20, and it was an unseasonably hot day in San Diego. They weren't used to that level of heat and humidity. Uh, the kids from Arizona were and they really wore San Diego State down over the course of that game. But you know, people's like, hey, San Diego State, there were some people that were expecting Arizona after the upset of San Diego State to, to uh, beat us at Arizona. And outside of that first big uh, drive of the game for Arizona, it really was not a competitive game. State, again, went 39-17. And I remember thinking after we played them, you know, I was there, and uh, matter of fact, I even took a picture with some people that thought I was Rob Zombie. Like, why would Rob Zombie be on the sidelines of a college football game between Mississippi State and Arizona? It's not like he was at USC or UCLA. Rob Zombie wouldn't be there. And the guy goes, hey, Rob. And I'm like, well, I'm Steve Robertson. And he goes, yeah, well, you mind taking a picture with us, Rob? I'm like, okay, drunk Wildcat fans. So there's a couple of guys out there that probably posted a picture on social media claiming they met Rob Zombie. They did not. They met me. Uh, but even when we left that, that ball game, I thought to myself, I said, you know, these um, this is not a bowl team. This Arizona team is going to have a tough time uh, getting to a bowl game. And they didn't. They went 5-7 and seven last year. Of course, they lose to us. We made them 1-1. One one. They bounced back and beat North Dakota State by three the next week at Arizona. They get in a conference play, get beat by Cal. Uh, They beat Colorado, which everybody did. Then they lose in a blowout to Oregon. They get beat by 10 at Washington. Lose by eight to USC in Arizona. Competitive game. Lose at Utah, 45-20. They beat UCLA. Huge win for them, 34-28 in the Rose Bowl over a top 10 rated uh, Bruin team. And they back that up by losing at home to Washington State the next week, and then they uh, finish out with the rivalry win over Arizona State in Tucson, 38-35. So, uh, not a great year, three and six in the Pac-12 or the Pac-2, whatever we're calling it these days. But uh, fully expect to win that ball game. And uh, the thing that I will tell you, after spending some time out in the extreme Southwest, now you see these big temperatures out there, guys. Let me tell you this: a hundred degrees. In Tucson, Arizona, it's not the same as it is in Starkville, Mississippi. It's not. Because we have this thing called humidity. They say, what's well, a dry heat out there? I mean, it's still hot. I mean, if you don't hydrate yourself, you're going to be in trouble. It's a much different deal with that humidity because the humidity just saps your strength. It's different. I mean, I'd be out there in Albuquerque uh, when Danny was out there. People were walking around in these uh, winter jackets and everything, and I got on shorts, you know, or T-shirt and jeans whatever, you know uh we just have a little bit um i don't think her skin i guess maybe the you know the mississippi heat has kind of warmed us up for that but uh i think they're in for some trouble uh, when they come in here i, I think they, they think they know what heat is and that's what you're going to hear in the preseason what about the heat what about the heat oh uh, we're in the heat all the time it is a different heat period period i will die on that hill all right. Uh, third non-conference matchup will be the first ever meeting between Mississippi State and Western Michigan. I don't know how we um, got into this deal, but uh, it's interesting, right? Now you're probably wondering, you know, well, you know, what do we know, you know, about uh, Western Michigan? Well, they weren't very good last year. Five and seven overall, and uh, four and four within the MAC. Uh, I believe they finished third in their division, but. Um, yeah, they open up last year on the road at Michigan State and get smacked 35 13. They win at Ball State, then lose to Pitt 34 13. They go to San Jose State and they beat the Spartans 34 6. New Hampshire, uh, they get them at Kalamazoo, beat them 44 7. They uh, lose to Eastern Michigan 45 23. Uh, the Bobcats of Ohio get them 33-14. They beat, beat Miami of Ohio 16-10 to in Oxford. Then it's a 13-9 loss in Bowling Green. And then 24-21, they lose to Northern Illinois, and they eke by Central Michigan 12-10, and then they beat Toledo 20-14. to So you can see, you know, once they got into league play, and kind of got their legs on them a little bit. Every game was competitive. And so you look at that 5-7 and seven record, and you say, yeah, it's 5-7. and They're a losing team. Uh, I don't know what they've got coming back. We hadn't got that in-depth with our preview. But this is a team that got better as the year went along and, of course, ended the year on a two-game winning streak. And so, uh, again, they're not going to be intimidated, but I think it's, again, one of those deals you look at. You're know, coming down here to play against uh, what should be a really good Mississippi State team. You're asking an awful lot, but again, first ever meeting in Waldo Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Waldo Stadium. That's the name of their uh, their home venue. Waldo. So where's Waldo? Well, it's on the Western Michigan campus. But I don't know how prepared they're going to be. You know, when they get here, they uh, it's the middle of the year, as you guys know. But they open up with St. Francis, and then they're at Syracuse, and then they go to Iowa. That's a couple tough tough gets right there out of the gate. And then they get into league play. And so we get them on October 7th, which is the wife's birthday. Um, but it's after they have played, you know, basically five straight. They're gonna open up on August 31st, so 17 days from today, you'll be a chance to watch them if you want to. It'll be on ESPN plus. So it'll require some effort on your part. But again, this is a game that we should win. Now the fourth Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at UFI, That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's guys. You got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. u uh, is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance? Anytime somebody comes to your door, we absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Log. That's visit E-U-F-Y. Official.com slash videolock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Non-conference game is actually the one that I'm the most worried about, to be quite honest with you. We get Southern Miss. I don't know about the wisdom of playing Southern Miss you know, the Saturday before the Egg Bowl. You know, I'd like to have played Southeastern Louisiana then. Now, I don't know if, if they would be okay with that. But, um, you know, Southern Miss under Will Hall has been a good team. And they're going to be sky high when they come in here, right? We know this before we even get started. They're going to be – I'm gonna turn this up a little bit. I think I'm a little bit low. Um, they're going to be sky high when they come in here. They're going to be excited and, and uh, want to play Mississippi State. And, of course, we got some former Bulldogs on that team. You know, they'll have some inside intel about some of our personnel. Of course, we've changed a lot, so there won't be any carryover when it comes to audibles and things like that on the offensive side of the football. But uh, Southern Miss goes 7-6 last year, 4-4 four and four, uh, within their conference. And uh, it's interesting, too. I mean, you know, I grew up as a kid. They were in the Metro Conference because I'm from the 1900s. But it was a much different deal back then. And, uh, you know, now they're in the, uh, the Sun Belt, you know, conference USA, it's like whatever, wherever Southern Miss and those guys, those schools end up, it always seems that you know things change. You know, They're, they're never in these – and nowadays, nobody's in a conference, it appears, that it has a lot of continuity. But you kind of understand my point, is that Southern Miss just seems like to be a school that's never going to get the big invite. And I think a lot of it's got to do with fan support. People are like, oh, we should be in the Big 12. You have no chance of being in the Big 12. Zero. I mean, you can't even get people to come watch uh, anything other than a rivalry game. Uh, Last year, Southern Miss loses the season opener at home to uh, Hugh Freeze at Liberty, a four-overtime game, that the uh, Flames win 29-27. Southern Miss goes to play Miami. I thought this would be a more competitive game than it was, but they get beat 30-7. They hammer Northwestern State 64-10. Probably the biggest win of the year, Tulane. They go to New Orleans and beat Tulane 27-24. They lose to Troy, who ended up being the uh, Sun Belt Conference champion, 27 10. They get Arkansas State, 20 19. Win in San Marcos against Texas State, 20 14. Uh, they beat Louisiana Lafayette, I'm back to that, 39 24. They lose in Hattiesburg to Georgia State. And then Coastal gets them 26 23. They lose South Alabama 27-20, and they uh, close out the regular season with a 20-10 win over Louisiana Monroe that got them bowl eligible and got them into a bowl game, and they take on Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl, and they win the game down to Mobile and end the season on a very positive note. So two-game winning streak for the Golden Eagles. But, um, yeah, there is going to be a difference in the talent, but um, you need to understand these guys are going to come in here the, 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 all week long, it's going to be, hey, these guys scheduled you guys for the Egg Bowl because they see you like an FCS team. They see you as a run and win. That's going to be one of those things they're going to be in your face about. And we'll, of course, have a lot to talk about Southern Miss as we um, as we kind of get into it a little bit later. But uh, State currently on a five-game winning streak uh, against the Golden Eagles. Uh, in the record books, It is State leads the series 15-14 to 1. Had the one tie, but uh, State currently on a five-game winning streak that dates back to 1989 in the days of uh, Eric Underwood and those guys. Joel Logan. Uh, so, yeah, you win that game 26-23. I was in attendance that day at M.M. Roberts Stadium. We missed an extra point early in the ballgame and ended up uh, uh, kicking the field goal to win it late. And, of course, uh, Brett Favre and the guys uh, the week before had beaten Florida State. And then, uh, we get them at our place the next year and we get them 13 to 10. I was also in attendance at that game too. And we didn't, we went on a hiatus and didn't play them again until 2014. And there were a lot of people that did not want to play Southern Miss again. And a lot of it had nothing to do with like a fear of the program. It's just like, you know, Hey, you respect them, but why do you want to think make things more difficult on yourself and have two rivalry games? Cause let's be honest. Southern Miss wants to play us a whole lot more than we want to play them. But, uh, in 14, you know, State gets some 49 to nothing. And then in 2015, in Dak's senior year, we went down there. And if you remember, we were going in to score on the very first drive. And then um, Ashton Schumpert fumbled going into the end zone. They had a fake field goal type deal. So it was, they pulled out all the stops early, and we helped them a little bit. And we were trying to keep Dak more in the pocket, let him be a pocket passer. And then finally in the second half, we just, you know, turned Dak loose and we went 34 to 16. But uh, it was not. An enjoyable experience going down there, uh, not just for our fans but uh, for our players. I, I can tell you there was a lot of bitterness in the stadium. You certainly expect that, but you know there were people. that were um, even in post game we weren't even given a uh, opportunity to have an indoor post game. We had to do it outside, and so Dak is getting catcalled and uh, people talking trash to Dak during post game press conference. You know, Southern Miss fans. You know, it's like he just won the ball game. Go to your get in your car and go home. You know. Uh, there was some things too. I remember Mike Bonner got accused of cheering for State because of that press box was the, the, the views were somewhat obstructed. Mike Bonner stands up because there's a play down the left sideline and he couldn't see it from his vantage point. He stands up. He gets lambasted on Twitter. Nuts, man. And then 19, they come back to Starkville. We win 38-15. So we haven't played those guys since 2019. But again, stayed on a five-game winning streak. But there was a time, man, it's like. You know, we talk about how big the Egg Bowl is. I mean, when I grew up as a kid, you know, there was, that was kind of the deal. You know, you, you have an opportunity to play State and Ole Miss. You have these two in-state rivals. And by State and Ole Miss discontinuing the series for a while, it, uh, in many respects, lowered Southern Miss from a recruiting standpoint in the eyes of in-state recruits. So instead of validating them, well, we must respect them because we play them, Uh, it was a much different deal back then, you know, in the 80s. A lot of people saw State, Southern, and Ole Miss on equal footing. That was the big – they called us the big three back then. Uh, Nobody says that anymore. It's a much different dynamic. And not to mention when you look at what's happened financially to State and Ole Miss uh, in the last 20 years – And there's a huge disparity between the experience on game day for fans, players, and coaches alike between state Ole Miss and Southern. It's a completely different deal. But there are a lot of people down there, I can tell you, that are still very bitter uh, about that because they have not been able to find a very uh, comfortable college conference home that has really benefited them financially. And in many respects, it's kind of their own fault, to be to be honest with you about that. But um, that's not to say that they won't be a good team. Will Hall is a great coach. He's done a great job, um, you know, recruiting within the state of Mississippi. Gets a lot of guys that perhaps are, you know, getting state and Ole Miss interests but maybe not committable offers. But uh, an ambitious schedule. For southern and again we'll, as we get to them it'll be we'll, we'll be able to preview kind of a review what they've done to point but they open up against alcorn and then they travel to florida state that's an ambitious deal and then they host tulane they're at arkansas state host texas state host old dominion at south alabama at apple at state uh you don't think kevin barbet's got some friends up there that'll help him out a little bit you know with some uh some talking points after they play them. Uh, Louisiana Monroe will be in Hattiesburg the next week and then at Louisiana Lafayette, and then they come play us. And uh, the, here's another thing, too, that maybe you not thought about. They're going to play UL on Thursday night. So they'll get two extra days to prepare for us. You know, we'll get the traditional week, but then we have to turn right back around and get to work on Ole Miss. We'll have some people on staff already game planning for Ole Miss. But we have to turn around and play a short week, and then the work week before Southern Miss heading into our matchup uh, is elongated because of the fact they played the uh, ESPNU game that Thursday. So just kind of you know t- put that in your cap. We'll think about it later. But they're going to have more time for us to prepare for us. And we're going to, again, have to do a lot of things really quickly against two in-state opponents. And then they will close out their regular season uh, the following Saturday at home against Troy. So – uh, you know, Southern Miss has a chance to win the conference this year. I mean, this is going to be a team they can compete. So, it's not going to be like us playing East Tennessee State. Anybody expecting that's kidding themselves. But you better believe Will Hall and that staff will have them jacked up to come up here and play because they're going to play the disrespect card. And by the time we get there, you never know what either of these teams are going to look like. So, we're going to have to go out there and bring a good effort and then turn around real quickly and get ready to host uh, Ole Miss Egg Bowl. So we really need to win all four of these games. Um, I wouldn't say outside of Southeastern, I wouldn't say any of them you look at and say, well, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, This is a very manageable non-conference schedule, but we got to go play. I mean, obviously I mentioned Southeastern, the team that was in the FCS playoffs last year. We should still win that game handily. Western Michigan team was very competitive at times last year, had a losing record. We should win that game handily. Uh, Arizona coming in, not the same team it was a year ago. Uh, but they're coming to our place. We should win the game. Do we win it handily? I don't think so. But I think we got you a know, chance for us to, to sweep the two game series. And then Southern Miss comes in, and you'd like to think we should be able to out talent those guys. But I can tell you, Will Hall and that staff, they will have a great scheme. It's just do they have the personnel uh, to pull off the win? So I'm saying it now. I'm expecting State to go 4 and 0 in the non conference. We should. Uh, but we can not We can ill afford just to kind of sleepwalk our way through it. We're going to have to come play football. But, yeah, State should go 4-0 no this year. And, uh, again, it's not a – well, it's not a challenge in non-conference. I, I disagree. I do. I mean, outside the FCS game, uh, I think Western Michigan, of course, is, is a game that's going to be okay. But is Arizona capable of beating Mississippi State? Absolutely. Absolutely are. they got power five guys, too. They're also coming a long way across the country and, and uh much different dynamic. But, yeah, we should win the game. You look at Southern Miss, should we win the game? Yeah, we should. But there's just a lot of factors around that to me that suggest it may be a more competitive game than people expect. But, again, I expect us to go 4-0. I know many of you do as well. All right, time for today's top 10 list. As always, brought to you by ClothesWithBlair.com. Blair, a great guy, man. Blair, a guy that gets things done. I like to affiliate myself with people that i think bring value it's one thing so well you know this guy's a good friend So there's value there but if i'm going to go enter into an advertising relationship with somebody on my show i'm going to give these people a personal endorsement i got to have somebody that brings value to your life period now we get some national ads from time to time right some people say hey here's you know here's some money do you mind giving us 30 seconds of your time? Well, yeah, I'll do that. But as far as, like, our regular business partners, our regular local ads, I'm, I'm going to work with people that I have faith in, but also people that are going to, I think, provide a service to you that is relatable in many respects. I mean, you know, Blair's not a guy that's selling, you know, Norwegian baskets. This is a guy that can help you with your, your mortgage issues, you know, and, and if you're looking to get into a home, and, you know, and sometimes the reality of it is you never know when you're going to have to move. You never know when something's going to happen or when that house that you've been uh, coveting is going to go on the market. You need to have a trusted loan officer at your disposal, and that's Blair Chandler. Visit him at closewithblair.com at C-L-O-S-E, with Blair. BLAIR.com, phone number 601 500 2344. Again, 601 500 2344. Closing Boneyard loans on the regular. Yeah, he just told me uh, a week or so ago that uh, just closed one and then uh, pre qualified another one. And so your fellow Boneyard listeners are working with Blair. And uh, he's a guy that's uh, licensed to practice in multiple states. And so if you got some things going on, reach out to Blair. And if he can't help you, he'll direct you to somebody that can right? If, it, if, if you can be helped, right? The main thing, too, I think about that all the time. You're saving yourself so much time, effort, and trouble to get pre-qualified. And a lot of people don't take the time to do that. You know, they want to start shopping, right? Oh, we've got to get this house. And all of a sudden, you pick out a house that's kind of beyond your means. And you're just like, I just got to get in the house. And even if you can get approved for that, you get in the home. I mean, you don't have any quality of life you know because you're having to work all this extra overtime just to be able to pay the mortgage and you think someday it'll all work out and chances are it's not you know so it's best to get pre-qualified through a mortgage professional like Blair Chandler and again visit him at clotheswithblair.com to get all the details 601-500-2344 all right you guys love covers man you do I love them too and i had somebody reach out and said steve you had you mentioned on the show you were going to do a cover song a covers album top 10 soon well i'm going to do one today but it's going to be different than the rest we're going to do top rock covers from this year this year so far and uh, i've done some research i've looked up some there were some thumb that i wasn't aware of i listened to them like you know what this is going on the list uh, the cover song is interesting because I, I like people that can um, take a song that we know and love and be true to it, but also kind of put their own spin on it, right? Uh, I'm, one of my favorite videos that pops up on the reels all the time is the the kid on uh, America's Got Talent doing his own arrangement of Dancing in the Dark from Bruce Springsteen. Like the, Instead of it being up-tempo, it's a slowed-down ballad type thing i love it man i love people that can be true to the original but put their own personality in it and so this is going to be interesting list so again these are modern rock bands some of these are like doom metal too doing pop classics from the 80s so don't expect many of these songs to sound like the original all right top 10 rock covers for 2023 so far we may revisit this in december number 10 uh, many of you may know the band static x you know wayne static sadly died several years ago and then um, his poor wife was so grief-stricken and was mired with depression and ultimately ended up killing herself it's terrible well the band lives on and uh in wayne's honor and they recently covered the Nine Inch Nails standard from the Pretty Hate Machine album. No, it's not head like a hole. It's terrible lie. And they even kind of slowed the tempo down a little bit. They changed it a little bit. It's a a different deal. The arrangement's a little bit different. Okay, number nine. This doom metal group, S-O-M, recently released a four-song EP of Depeche Mode Classics. It's got Enjoy the Silence it's got personal jesus it's got never let me down again but we're going to go with policy of truth much much different again you'll hear some elements of the original but uh they've kind of made it their own but it's interesting they didn't just do one depeche mode cover they did four number eight a band that's uh very interesting they've got a huge following in europe it's a band called power wolf they released their cover of poison on alice cooper's birthday yeah on his 75th birthday so a nice little gift from power wolf their version is really cool it's not as good as the original i don't know how it could be that alice cooper trash album was kind of a return for alice cooper it was phenomenal to quote ben howland but number eight power wolf's poison good version for sure number seven i'd never heard of this band before ever and in my research, I stumbled across this. Many of you remember the great movie Flashdance? had an incredible soundtrack. It still does. I mean, the soundtrack still exists. You can go listen to it on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you want. But there was a great track on there, Maniac, from Michael Cimbello, that Michael Cimbello just kind of came out of nowhere. And that song really is the song that many people think of uh, when they think of the movie flash dance and people say, like, but steve the theme was irene care what a feeling that's true but the scene that you remember though is her dance in the maniac a band called omnium gatherum covered maniac and um, it is very much doom metal It it is nothing like the original other than the lyrics you know I, I think their attitude is she's a maniac and she might kill you you know uh, but a much different version. Again, Omnion, Gatherum, their debut on our top ten list. Number six, I really dig this one. I do. And when you hear the name of the band, you're going to think, yeah, Steve, is this a Satanist group? I don't think so. Um, I don't know their personal beliefs. I didn't ask them. But it's a band called Blood Command, also making their debut. <laughs> Believe it or not, they did a very cool rendition of Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. I'm telling you, when you put it on there, you're going to be like, hey, this isn't bad. I kind of like this. You know, Belinda Carlisle, obviously one of the great beauty queens of our youth, incredible singer. But uh, their take on her song is completely different. So be sure and check it out. But uh, it's good. It's good. Number five, I really dig this one, man. And I know a lot of you guys are listening. Steve, I'm not a doom metal person or a death metal person. I barely like any heavy metal. And, you know, you're kind of overcooking our grits today. This is a nice little break for you in the list. It's a band called Have Mercy. I had never heard anything about them before until today. And I put this list together. They do an incredible cover of Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. The guy even sounds like Dave Grohl. It's a great little guitar thing. It's like a couple of dudes just kind of sitting around, kind of doing their own thing, you know, like you and your buddies just kind of sitting around a fire on a back porch somewhere. That's kind of what it comes across as. But uh, it's a really light deal. After all this death metal, we needed something to kind of lighten us up, but it's Have Mercies 1979. Number four, another band that recently released an album of covers, an EP of Covers. One of the biggest bands in the world right now, Ghost. You say, Steve, I never heard Ghost. Well, that's that's on you. We talked about him on the show before. I've seen him live. Ghost. Those guys uh, did this little EP, and uh, the first single off the EP was the Genesis classic, Jesus, He Knows Me, and He Knows I'm Right. Their rendition of this is super cool. And uh, they got some other things on there. Of course, they got uh, "We Need a Hero," the old Bonnie Tyler classic. Um, did a, a, a uh, Iron Maiden song on there, so it's a five-song EP. Be sure and check it out. Ghost, still my favorite Ghost song is "Square Hammer." That still gets me going. Number three, a band that uh, has come kind of come back, and maybe you're not as familiar with them, and that's cool. It's um, uh, it's dope. The band Dope. And uh, they collaborated with another band and uh, covered the the Cure's classic song, Love Song, because I will always love you, right? Not in the Whitney Houston way, in the Cure way, but dope. Number three, I like it. I dig it a lot. Now, we're down to the final two. I even broke one of my own rules on this list because, you know, I always like to go out on a high point. I don't like to do ballads. We're doing a ballad today. Number two, and this song has been out a little while, this cover of the Journey classic, Separate Ways. It's Daughtry. That's right, Chris Daughtry from American Idol. Still out there making good music, man. This guy's still selling a bunch of tickets. A lot of people thought he was going to be a flash in the pan. He's not. He teamed up with Lizzie Hale from Hellstorm. I know many of you love her. And they covered Separate Ways, and it is amazing. Never be as good as the original, okay? Let's just go ahead and establish that. This is one of the better covers of a Journey song I think that you'll ever hear. It's, it's ridiculous how good it is. And I love the fact that it's sung as a duet. Number one, though, a band we just talked about on the top ten list here on the show on Friday. It's Fallen in Reverse, their version of Last Resort from Papa Roach. And uh, it's amazing to me. How the arrangement of this song changes the meaning of the song, and like you look at the lyrical content, you're like, "How did I miss this? How did I miss this before?" But Jacoby Shaddix and Papa Roach—they wrote it kind of as a, a song of attitude and rebellion, you know. Kind of, they're fighting for their life, but the way that this falling in reverse version is. It's like this ethereal, dark sense of giving up. It's like Jacoby and those guys sing it, and it's like, you know, you know, cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Like, this is it. You know, i got to put my back against the wall. i got to fight my way out of this. It completely changes it. Ronnie Radke does an amazing job on this. And I think if you are a fan of Last Resort and Papa Roach and you haven't listened to Fallen in Reverse's version, I think when you do, you're gonna li- you're gonna go back and listen. You'll never listen to Papa Roach's version the same because somebody has slowed the lyrics down, and you can feel the emotion that Jacoby had as he wrote the song. And rather than it be a song of anger, it's really a song of uh, of resignation. And again, I hate to end list on that, but I think this is clearly a huge hit already. Uh, because there is the commonality with the Papa Roach thing. But also in addition to that, I think when we think about the emphasis on mental health these days, and uh, you know, when I was a kid growing up and you know, you're know, you a problem teenager, we, we didn't call it mental health. We just, they called you problem child. And that was me. We spent our lives on trial. We walk an endless mile. We are the youth gone wild. Yeah, you knew where I was going with that. But that's how it was I mean, when I was a kid, you were just a problem kid. Sort of Oh, they did. nobody ever figured out that man. There were so many of us that were depressed. You know, there was a lot of that to it, and that—that's not to let anybody off the hook for negative behavior. I'm not not trying to suggest that, because we can't attribute all of our mistakes to that. There are a lot of people that want to. Well, I, I'm okay with this, and it's like it's amazing too. And I don't want to get too deep into this, and because somebody will message me and say, "Steve, you don't understand." I don't think you understand. There has to be some level of personal accountability. Period. I'm a person that's battled depression much of my adult life. I can tell you it is a very real and there's a physical component to that, period. It's true. But that said, like nowadays, everybody out here, like if you ever get on Reddit, it's crazy. It's like, well, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I'm autistic and I'm this and I'm that. I'm I'm like, why do we want to be sick? It's like, well, this this excuses me my negative, like I read something yesterday, I can't remember it was on Facebook or wherever, some social media platform. And they were saying that this lady, the reason she didn't get jokes is because she was autistic. Nobody figured that out. And so you you get a little deeper in the discussion, you find that it's a self-diagnosis. It's like, well, she decided that she was autistic. What? What are we doing? So that just explains everything. Like, I mean, I can get out here and be antisocial and just say, well, you know, there's this. I have people in my life, people that I've known, families that I've known uh, that have had autistic children. And uh, it is very much a challenge. And I personally think it's disrespectful to those families that really deal with this. And we're just going to pull these labels out of the air and say, well, this is me. This is me. This is me. This is me. When it's not you. You know, you, you, can, be, you can be a bad person. It's so I don't know why that's so hard for people to accept these days. You can be a bad person You shouldn't be but you can be and it's nobody's fault, but your own But you can be a bad person, but instead we got this, you know, this blaming mechanisms It's like well, there's this and this explains my behavior So you just have to accept me being a bad person uh, because if you don't then you know, you you are a person that is uh, You know discounting my liabilities I think some people put all this stuff up. You know, it's like it's just an excuse. And again, I said I wasn't going to go too deep into reads all this stuff. But I'm just going to tell you, if you're one of those people, l- let me tell you, there is a whole beautiful world out here with amazing things going on, and there are people that truly care about you that want you to enjoy them. And you know what? If all you want to do is to retreat to your bedroom after work or whatever and sit around and stream videos and watch Netflix, that's your right too. But we don't have to put a label on it to say, this is my personal preference. It's like we want to put these things up, and it's like, well, that way nobody will ask me about it. I just don't want to be around people. I go through those phases sometimes, too, man. And there are other times, like, especially these days, and I'm by myself so much, I can't wait to get out and have some human interaction. There are other times it gets way too people-y for me out there. I get anxiety from it. I do. And you know what I do when that happens? I just go home. I do. And I recharge, and then I'm ready to go out there and do it again. You know, but the thing that I have learned, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't know that we can heal through isolation. You know, sometimes you got to retreat and recover. But I don't know how we heal. Through isolation and self-diagnosis and that kind of stuff, it it just drives me crazy. It really does. And uh, I shouldn't. My wife tells me all the time, "You let this stuff bother you that shouldn't matter." And uh, you know, you know, what a lot of it is though. And I, and I don't want to flip this here and you know make it seem like I'm just being altruistic in everything that I do. Sometimes I get angry too, and sometimes I'll just you know tell people exactly what I think, whether I should or I shouldn't. But the reality of it is, is like I get saddened when people begin to label themselves hopeless it's like i'm a hopeless case because there were people that told me i was hopeless and instead of it burying me it inspired me it's like well this situation is just hopeless and this is just who i am you know there was a time in my life i was content to just try, die as a drug addict i didn't know any other way i was like i don't know how i'm gonna beat this i don't know how am i gonna what am i gonna do i'm this is just my life right and then things changed for me you know, I had some people that helped me. You know, I, I've, got, I've got friends that I got sober with that like struggle with agoraphobia and things like that, you know. Uh, and I don't know how real it is, but it's real to them. And so I'm sensitive to all that too. But my hope is is that we can find something to bring you happiness, period. Because the thought of people that I love dying alone up in some dark bedroom with Netflix asking them, are you still there? That's just heartbreaking to me. It just is. And maybe that's what some people want and I respect that too. But the reality of it is, is that uh, there is so much more to life than these little labels. You know you know, you know what the, my favorite labels are? My, my favorite labels are? You know, because I could run through all this and feel sorry for myself and say, well, you know, I'm an, I'm an addict and I'm an alcoholic and um, I'm bipolar and uh, I have to take medication for blood pressure, take medication for this, take medication for that. I could put all these things out there to try to invoke sympathy from other people or to excuse my behavior. Well I'm just different, you know, I'm just, I'm. this is just who I am. Nah, I don't accept that. You know what I am? You know guys, I'm a believer, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a bulldog, I'm an author, I'm a business owner. I'm a podcaster, part-time musician when I feel like it. And there's so much of that. Those things give me pride. You know, those other things are just things I have to to deal with, right? But it's not who I am. It's what I have to do in order to do the things that I love to do. So I've lectured enough, and so uh, Roy will now pass around the offering plate. And uh, please uh, turn to page 417 in your hymnals, and we'll hum just as I am. Uh, I apologize for being preachy today. I know some people don't like that. But um, I just get so caught up in all that that we, we get – I don't volunteer to be sick. I'm not going to do that. I did that earlier in my life, and I've learned that there's no value in that. So I'm not going to volunteer for the rest of my life to be sick. That's not to say I'm not going to have a bad day. I had a bad day yesterday. I did. It was a bad day. It was tough. Couldn't wait for Dana to get up and I could talk to her about it, you know. But I'm not going to be and volunteer to be sick and be a co-conspirator in my own demise. I'm not going to be that person. And there were times in my life I was all beaten down by that, and that's just kind of, you accept the, the plight, but I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to volunteer to be sick, and I hope that you won't either. All right, second half of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Reminder tomorrow tuesday the 15th at noon gonna have the university official release of this year's vintage vault logo many of you think you already know what it is i would probably say you're right merchandise will be officially available for sale and you go to campus bookmark tomorrow in person you can get it online um but i'm gonna go i'm gonna plan to go you know hopefully things work out that i can go and uh, we're gonna go check it out, man. And uh, I'm gonna load up some merch and buy a couple things for the wife, and then I'm gonna uh, bring it to her. And I'm excited about this new merch stuff, man. And you should be too. I think there's there's some pent up demand. And I love the fact they're doing this vintage vault stuff. I do. Uh, I, I love it. And even the stuff that like predates me, I think it's cool. I, I, it's nice to honor our history. But this is one of those logos, man, that people are like, "Huh? Wish we had this full time." but nevertheless if you're in town come by at campus bookmark tomorrow at noon for the official unveiling and uh you never know we'll make a content opportunity out of it who knows but uh, i'm gonna be there buy some merch maybe send some books and then you can get ready to roll there's gonna be a lot of people are gonna have merch and uh it's gonna be great but the official release is going to happen at Campus Book at noon tomorrow. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. And I can guarantee this, after you see the new selections of merch tomorrow, you're going to spend more than 75 bucks. Many of you have been thinking, I'm going to wait and see. No, you don't need to do that. You're going to want to wear this September 2nd when we roll in to Davis Wade Stadium and run over to the Southeastern Lions. So go ahead and get prepared for that. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. And, again, I'd love to see you. So if you're in town, come by and say hello uh, tomorrow, the 15th at noon, Campus Bookmark. All right, let's take a look at uh, Tennessee here. And uh, we don't play Tennessee unless we're both fortunate enough to get to Atlanta, which is not expected. I was one of the people that was really high on Tennessee last year before the season started. Had some people that doubted me. And uh, I like them again this year. Is Tennessee back? Well, Tennessee just officially announced that um, four of their games, home games for this schedule, are now officially sold out. Officially sold out. So, you know, fans are back. And uh, I like the Josh Heupel hire. I know a lot of people didn't. I thought, number one, Tennessee has always had offensive skill. It, it is within their recruiting footprint. They have the ability to kind of replenish that. And it's a fun offense. It's a fun scheme. They're, they're gonna It's kind of like the launch angle, angle baseball team. right? They're going to attack you. They're going to try to hit the big shot. But let's take a quick look back at, uh, at last year. Again, Tennessee had a chance last year to uh, play in a New Year's Six, and, you know, when them losing the way they did, you know, we had had a chance to get to the Citrus Bowl, but the way that uh, the schedule played out with Tennessee and LSU, they kept us out of it. But at the end of the day, it's up to us, right? It's up to us. Got to take care of our own business. But uh, the Vols last year, 11-2, 59-10 winners over Ball State. They go and win at Pitt in overtime, 34-27. They get Akron 63-6 in Nealan. They get Florida in Nealan 38-33. And that's when the really things really again started falling apart, Florida. They go into Baton Rouge. And they beat LSU like they were Louisiana Lafayette. 40 to 13. And they were running wide open in the secondary all game long. The big moment. The one that people have been waiting a decade or more for the the, uh, next week. Alabama, Tennessee. In Neyland. Hendon Hooker became a legend. He was already a great player, but he finds a way to win that ball game. And you think late in that game, there's no way. There's no way, man. After that fumble and Alabama walks it in, it's over. The ghosts of Saban and Bear Bryant, whatever. And all that poppycock. But instead... Hendon Hooker takes them down the field. They win 52-49. Huge win. They get UT Martin 65-24 the next week. And uh, they're rolling right along here. And then you get Kentucky 44-6. They beat them like they deserve to be beat. And then you lose to Georgia and Athens 27-13. It was a good game. Georgia was a little bit better team. You hammer Missouri 66-24. And you think, you know what? We just got to finish up, guys. Finish up here in the regular season. And, uh, you know, things are great. You know, things are great. We might even slip into the playoff. No, because then they get absolutely destroyed by South Carolina, 63-38. to 38. And you knew then, okay, well, the best we're going to be able to hope for is the, the Gator Bowl or the Outback, right? Or ReliaQuest, whatever we're calling it this year. Then they get Vandy, 56 nothing, And then the Battle of the Orange, they uh, take on Clemson down in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium and win 31-14. So, what kind of team will they have this year without Hendon Hooker? That's one of those things you begin to ask yourself. You know, a lot of people are really excited about Joe Milton. He certainly has a lot of ability. He does. He is a real weapon. Big arm. An elite runner. It's interesting, though. Is Joe going to be the guy? You certainly think so. But um, they're going to play probably a two-quarterback system. You know, you got got... Uh, Nico Lamaleva that's going to be there as well, where, and he'll play some in packages. But, um, yeah, but we'll see. you got a couple of big-time receivers that are back. You know, Cedric Tillman's gone, and obviously Jalen Hyatt. But I think this is going to be a plug-and-play offense. I think hype and those guys are going to consistently be able to go get fleet-footed physical receivers. Uh, Brew McCoy is that dude. Should have a big year for them. You know, what do we do, you know, running-wise? Uh, that's really the question here. Um, they're going to throw it around a little bit, and they kind of run just enough to keep you honest. And, of course, they use the quarterback one run to, you know, again, to kind of keep the uh, linebackers at bay a little bit too. But, um, you know, Milton was a guy, as a senior, you know, he was a guy that competed with Hinton Hooker for a while, and he's played a little bit. The thing that I just look at with all this deal with him is, like, if he was better than Hinton Hooker, he'd have played. So it'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's all going to boil down to offensive line play. They, uh, have you know, missed a couple guys here, lost a couple guys. So, um, you know, that's a part of it too, you know. Tennessee has kind of built a program on these big physical offensive lines for years and years in the 80s and 90s. You kind of looked at Tennessee as if you wanted an offensive line, look at them. Uh, so, they got to pick the running game up a little bit. And of course, the quarterback uh, part of it will be factored in to the running game there. Uh, defensively, they were better last year. Not to be confused with the grade. They did give up a lot of points last year in some ball games, even games that they won kind of going away. Uh, Aaron Beasley should be a guy that should be a leader for this team. Uh, Danico Slaughter, another guy that um, – you know, was really good down the stretch last year. Uh, Keenan, uh, Pilly, there's so many of these guys you look at here that uh, they added from the portal, you know, going and getting a couple of these guys from uh, from BYU and kind of working through it, kind of fr- trying to find some plug-and-play guys to improve that that situation, you know, at uh, defense. But, you know, we'll see. Tamari and McDonald's going to be a good player for him kind of work through these things and you you kind of begin to ask yourself okay Tennessee last year was Hendon Hooker plus a bunch of really good guys and Hendon Hooker elevated the talent around him there's no question about that of course you know they end up losing him late in the year does Joe Milton have that same ability to raise the roster with him Because defensively, when you feel like you've got to get a stop every time, eventually that gets to you. It just does. Offense has got to do their part. Now, Zach Arnett will tell you, you know, hey, if our offense could only manage to score 10, then our defense has got to hold them to nine, right? Because it's a team game, right? But the reality of it is, is when you roll through this thing with Tennessee, I don't think they're going to be as good as last year even though they, they may finish in a similar situation. I think when you look at the schedule, and, again, you get, still got to deal with Georgia and Alabama, right, if you're Tennessee. But you go 11-2 and two last year. Can you replicate that this year? And even if you do, you're probably not getting to Atlanta because Georgia's not going to drop two regular season games. And even if you beat Georgia, you know, you'll have to find a way to navigate the rest of the schedule and avoid maybe just losing to Alabama. Because then you would hold a tiebreaker, but there's a one-game swing in there, and I think Tennessee can make it interesting. And the Tennessee Georgia game likely decides the SEC East Championship. But you open up at home at Nissan, excuse me, at Nissan Stadium against Virginia. It'll be in Nashville. Pardon me. That'll be interesting. I just don't think Virginia has the horses. Maybe they do. But that'll be an early game that we'll get to see uh, September 2nd. That'll be on before we are. So when you're at your tailgate, that'll be an interesting game, Tennessee uh, against Virginia. I like the balls there. Then it's Austin P. That's a dub. You got to go to Gainesville, Florida, and play the Gators. I think Tennessee's the better team, but I'll be honest with you, I-, I think this is going to the swamp this early in the year when they should be fresh. Could be Could be a little bit dicey. Could be. And then you get UTSA. Then you get South Carolina at your place. A&M at your place. Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Kentucky and Lexington. UConn and Neeland, You got to go to Como. And then you get Georgia late and you finish up with Vanderbilt. You start looking at the way the schedule lies and you start thinking, there's probably two or three losses in here somewhere. Right? I think we would probably agree with that. Anytime that you got to go play at Florida, that's tough. Period. That's a toss-up game. South Carolina coming in. South Carolina smacked them in the mouth last year. I think Tennessee gets some revenge this year. The trip to Tuscaloosa is going to be tough. And then, like, the next week you got to go to Lexington. I don't think Kentucky's going to be elite offensively. But, you know, if they can run the football, they're going to slow things down for you. This could be an ugly game. And which it's an ugly game, it typically favors Kentucky. I like Tennessee to win it, but it won't be surprising me if it's like a 21-17 to 17 type deal. But, again, you start looking through this and you start realizing, okay, Georgia and Alabama, if we had to pick it today, those are two losses, which has them finishing second in the East. But those games at Florida and at Kentucky will determine the quality of the season. You win both of those, you're probably right back in, you know, New Year's Six game or whatever we're calling them these days, you don't. You're going to a uh, you know regular game in the state of Florida. But I think Hypo's got these guys rolling. I'm, it, again, it's going to boil down to quarterback play. I don't think that Milton is going to be able to recapture that same level of magic that hinden Hooker did. He just simply had a special quality. I just don't agree that Milton is going to pick up where they left off. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say they're going to lose at least one of the toss-up games. And we're going to go 9-3, 9-3 this year uh, for the Volunteers, which I think, again, will be enough uh, to get them in a decent bowl game somewhere. But uh, like the balls, like Josh Heupel, and you know they're probably going to be playing with their heads on fire because of the fact that the uh, sanctions from the NCAA case were a lot less substantial than many people expected. I thought there was a chance, too, that it wouldn't be as significant. When the, when the charges first came out, you're like, holy smokes, they're going to get murdered. And then when you begin to find out that it was Tennessee that actually uncovered this, and Tennessee took corrective action, notified the the SEC office and the NCAA, and began just kind of navigating through this on their own, taking charge of their program and rather waiting to hear from the NCAA, you kind of got the feeling that uh, this is going to be a deal that they're going to be okay. You know, It's not insignificant sanctions but it's not as bad as i think most people expect it to be and i think that's one of the reasons a lot of people weren't interested in taking that job because they said you know what i'm gonna take that job and we're gonna get murdered and hyper's like i'll take it and what does he do turns in 11 2 record last year impressive it is impressive so now the year this is what we find out is tennessee truly back i don't know i just think that joe milton's i think there is a ceiling there with joe and we'll see what happens but um uh, Eager to see how they get out and perform this year, as many of you are as well. All right, let's uh, take some time now and talk about some Mississippi State football. You know, we had the scrimmage over the weekend. The uh, the first thing that I want to tell you that I've learned is uh, we got out of the scrimmage healthy. Yeah, A couple guys got banged up and had to be helped off a little bit farther down the depth chart, but it doesn't appear to be anything serious. Okay, And, and it's football, right? I mean, that's one of the things like... That's one things that media availability it always makes me a little bit nervous because I care about all of you and I also care about the uh, privacy of our, of our players. But if you've never played football, <laughs> you've never been around football, guys get a little bit nicked up all the time. It happens all the time. And sometimes there are fights in practice. I'm not aware of us having one on Saturday, but you, know, you read this stuff. Oh, it was a fight in practice. I got culture issues. Guys, it's football. Sometimes emotions get elevated, but uh, that doesn't pertain to us right now. But, yeah, that, I can't count how many times I've been at a media availability and there's a little pushing and shoving, it may even be a, you know, a lick thrown, right? But it gets, it, it's handled quickly. It's just the game, right? But guys get a little bit nicked up, and uh, there was some discussion on our board by one of the people that were able to attend a scrimmage because it was close to the media. There were a couple of linemen that went down. But, again, it's not expected to be anything serious. And a uh, lot of positive comments about some of these young linemen, too. I asked Stephen Lasoya yesterday about who are the young guys that have impressed him. He mentioned Amari Smith from Brookhaven uh, by name and uh, Malik Ellis. And said Malik basically has played every position on the line including tight end and H-back and even done a little snapping for us, you know. So it's nice to have that guy. You know, it's a guy, of course, from Laurel High School, one of the big gets in last year's class. But uh, it's good to hear some good things about him. But uh, early in the scrimmage, the defense kind of ran the show, from what we understand. And then there was some adjustments. There was some, uh, some formational changes and things like that, you know, and that's part of the scrimmage, right? And then the second half, the offense played really well. And so you walk out of the scrimmage and you accomplish the two things that you want to accomplish. You're healthy, and then in addition to that, the offense and the defense both have some things to feel good about and some things to feel poor, feel poorly about. And that was the thing Mike Leach used to always say: a good scrimmage ends with both sides being a little bit pissed, right? And that's kind of how we are. And you know, the reality of it is, is that um, you know we made some big plays. Now, a couple of things I want to tell you. Uh, you know, Mike Wright, having a good camp. But Mike is not going to win the starting job. Just go ahead and put that out there for you. There's some people out there like, hey, he's making it interesting. I don't think Mike is making it interesting. I think Mike is proving to be a very capable player for us and will play a lot for us this year. But I don't think he's going to be your starting quarterback. Will Rogers' job based on what I hear and what I see, is not in any jeopardy. I want to go ahead and get that established. That doesn't mean that Mike Wright is going to be relegated to holding the clipboard. Mike is going to play. Mike is going to be a weapon for us, especially on short uh, short yardage downs and uh, in the red zone. Give people another look. And I think the fact that we have Will and Mike makes us a better football team. And there will be all these people, like the first time Will Rogers has a very average game, well, yeah, let Mike play. Uh, based on what I've seen in practice, I think Mike is good enough to make us a bowl team. Like if something, God forbid, something should happen and will not be able to play for an extended period of time, I think Mike is capable of winning games for us. I don't think based at this point that I would say that we're going to run offensively with the same level of proficiency with Mike Wright under Senator would will. It's a new offense for both of them. But there is place for both of them to make a positive contribution to this team this year. And they will. In addition to that, a uh, lot of discussion about wide receivers. Well, the, the name that keeps popping up, and, and you guys have seen it on social media, is Creed Whittemore. Discussed him last week as one of the freshmen I expect to play. This is a guy that makes some things happen. This is a guy that he, he has some juice with him. You need a guy like that. I kind of teased Will Rogers yesterday. I said, you know, Creed was pretty smart to get jersey number 85 <laughs> because uh, Will Rogers and Austin Williams were roommates, right? So whenever Will needed a catch or needed to make a play, he would look for 85, you know. So in those moments, you may have that feeling of recollection where it's like, hey, I'll go to 85 here. That's going to be Whittemore. And I think, to be honest with you, I think Creed Whittemore is a better athlete than Austin Williams was. And listen, Austin Williams was that steady, consistent performer for us. And if that's all Creed Whittemore is, then we have come out way ahead of the game. I just think he's going to be better. I think there is some juice and some fire with this young man. It's going to make everybody around him better, for sure. Uh, So that's to be understood. Jordan Mosley is another guy that we continue to hear is having a really good camp. We We get about 20 minutes to kind of see what's going on. Uh, Today they'll be at the farm, so we won't get that opportunity. Matter of fact, after I upload the show, uh, I'll head to campus and we'll get ready for uh, Zach Arnett and get his thoughts on the scrimmage. Uh, Defensively, the guy that, you know, Deontay Anderson, we've heard a lot about him. You know, he was a former All-American out of high school. He was a uh, high school All-American and uh, has just kind of been okay and uh, led the charge with uh, five tackles. And it's becoming a bit of a threat as a pass rusher. And we need somebody to step up out there. And, and not a lot of discussion, because you know what you have. You, you know what you have with Crumity. You feel like you know what you have with Pickering. Uh, Calvin Dinkins is a guy that's having a great camp. And everybody you talk to will tell you that. Calvin Dinkins, that's a guy we, we beat Florida for late, one of our late additions to the class. But a lot of people in camp are saying, you know what? This guy is going to be a great one. And I think the fact that David Turner is there. Uh, is only a benefit uh, to Calvin Dinkins. Eric Taylor at LSU, another guy that continues to get mentioned to me, uh, you know, went to LSU, then went to Southwest Mississippi. Now he's at Mississippi State. This guy's a big-time player. We're fortunate to have him, for sure. And so we'll see how things progress with him, but you're starting to hear some good things about the front. Uh, a lot of discussion, too, about doing some four-down linemen. Um, so... Here's what I'm told. We're going to be more multiple with our fronts based on matchups and based on the health of our team, right? And so we're going to put our best 11 on the field, and that may vary from game to game depending on what people do offensively. If there are some games that we should have a four down front and take another backer off the field, we're going to do that. If there are games where people try to spread you out and put speed on the field, well, it makes sense for us to have another linebacker on the field or another DB on the field. So we're going to run our base set the way we have for three years. But there will be some instances where we you know, tweak it a little bit based on what teams are doing offensively. And that's good football. You give people more things to prepare for. And, and that's the thing <laughs> – when you start thinking about the angles in which we blitz and how we attack and things like that it already makes it more difficult when you only have a week to prepare so now we're giving you another thing to prepare for and i also think there's some discussion too where uh, zach arnett and matt brock are kind of talking through his team through the media he's like hey if we're better off at four down linemen we're going to play them well that motivates your defensive ends and it motivates your outside backers just because of the fact that i'm not just competing against my own personnel group i'm competing against the entire front right and so that's important to understand as we kind of move forward it's not going to be a situation where we're just all of a sudden in the middle of uh of the season going to switch to four three cover two that's just that's not what we're going to do It's going to be a situational type thing. And you go ahead and introduce that in camp to give those guys a chance to get comfortable with it. So when we call that personnel group, those guys have already had plenty of practice reps. They already understand their assignments. But, yeah, we're going to be a little more multiple with our fronts just because of the fact it makes us a more difficult team to attack offensively. And that's the thing I think Zach Arnett has learned, and you guys know what a huge Zach Arnett fan I am, is Zach has now had three years to figure out how teams want to attack his defense. So you can't keep trotting the same thing out there over and over and over again and expecting to get better. And it evolves over time. That's just the game of football. It's sports in general. It's all a game of adjustments. And it's not just in-game adjustments. It's in-season adjustments. You know, it's program adjustments. And so don't be the least bit surprised to see four down linemen, but that's not going to be our primary set period when I go ahead and acknowledge that because it continues to be brought up we're going to continue to run what we've run until we need to change based on the way a team is attacking us and we're just getting guys comfortable with every aspect of that that's a big 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 part of this so now uh, if memory serves me correct we have interviewed 23 players so far in camp and uh, which is a lot more than we did uh, under Mike Leach you know Mike was a guy that was rather guarded and careful about who got out there and spoke uh, we did speak to the Richardson yesterday and you know of course he is already I'd hate to even use the term penciled in it's I guess he's kind of pinned in uh, to be the number one corner and then opposite him Carlos Nicholson and Asias Furge are competing for the starting spot there if I had to call it today I think it's going to be DeCarlos, but I think that competition probably lingers into the season and you rotate a little bit and give those guys an opportunity uh, you know, to put the best guy on the field. But both of those guys can help us, and DeCarlos is a guy too that's uh, still relatively new to the position, but he looks like a corner. you know, He looks like a guy with his catch radius and his quickness that he'll be able to play. It's going to be difficult to throw over the top of him. You're going to have to get him with a good release because he has such good foot speed, but. If I had to call it based on the limited amount of practice we've been able to see, I think DeCarlos is probably the guy. I, that's what I think today. Now, that may change after they review the scrimmage film and that sort of stuff because, you know, we don't know their responsibilities. There's always, That's one of the things that always tickles me is people say, well, you know, he, he didn't do this and didn't do that. Well, you don't know. You don't know just by watching the game what that guy's responsibilities are. I mean, it's I, I go back to, like, John Banks, the Thorpe Award winner, right? There were a couple times when John was here his senior year where you find out later that John thought he had help over the top and he didn't get the help over the top. And he's the one that read the play correctly, but we had a safety not to execute their responsibilities. But all of a sudden you see John Banks chasing somebody. And you're like, oh, he got beaten coverage. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't get beaten coverage. He tried to pass the guy off, and then next thing you know, uh, we have a safety that bites on something else, and then Banks is trailing the play. Uh, Jay Banks is an elite, an elite college cornerback. And so it's important for, I think, for everybody to understand that aspect of it too. And when you've got so many moving pieces in the secondary where so many new faces, there's going to take some time to build some cohesion. But we need uh, DeCarlos and DCam to be big time. And, you know, Ferge is a guy we just can't seem to run that kid off. You know, I mean, it's like the kid's been here forever, it seems. But he continues to play and uh, continues to contribute. And and, uh, a guy that loves Mississippi State, a guy that loves Bulldog football, but a a guy that, too, that uh, has been a valuable member of the team, though he hadn't been a star. He's been a very solid player for us, for sure. Working through the safeties, I think we pretty much know who the starting three are going to be now. I think, you know, Banks, obviously, is going to be the dog safety. You know, then you begin to work through all this, and uh, there's a lot of talk about – you know, Kobe Albert, and then there's Sean Preston, you know, and so that's not to say that that depth chart is going to be written in blood or anything, but I think we're, it's kind of coming into focus now. And again, I, I tell people all the time, we, we do a daily depth chart, and we're happy to do it, but don't get into week one and say, well, wait a minute, you know, because again, we only get a small window into practice, and we're doing the best we can, but things change sometimes from day to day. And then when we get into classes, it may change even more. So it's important to understand that. But, uh, again, all reports are that the scrimmage was successful. And, of course, the, the number one thing is you gather healthy. But also that the defense made some plays, limited the offense, and then the offense was able to counterpunch and put some big things together. Now, we'll get back together in scrimmage again later this weekend. And uh, I'm going to pull the schedule up for you here because we're, we're, we're nearly done. We're nearly done with camp, and there's not a whole lot left as far as availability for us. So let me run it down for you. Today, of course, uh, we get uh, Arnett. They're on, the, they're on the on the farm. That practice kicks off at 2.30. And then we will be with Arnett around 4.15, 4.30. So we will not get to view practice today. Uh, Tuesday, tomorrow, practice 3:35, 35 and then we get to be there around 5:30 to watch the end of practice and then we'll have some players and assistant coaches and then sixth wednesday the 16th is an off day so there will be no practice reports or anything like that no notebooks no depth chart none of that uh the 17th is thursday media basically the same schedule uh, as tuesday you know as we'll get the last 20 minutes and then uh have an opportunity to interview Coach Arnett. So we're going to get Coach Arnett, it looks like, uh, three times this week. How cool is that? We'll get him today, we'll get him on Thursday, and then get him Saturday um, after the scrimmage. So, and, you know, basically Tuesday, Thursday, Friday are all the same. Wednesday, the day off is also the first day of classes. And then that final scrimmage on the 19th, you start looking through all this, and you begin to realize, guys, we're – we're getting done. There will be no practice on Sunday. There will be no media availability on Monday the 21st. That's next week, a week from today. August 22nd, there's no more media availability the rest of camp. We won't be able to go to practice the rest of the way, but we will get the selected players and coaches post-practice the rest of the way. So our final media availability is going to be Friday of this week. That's it that's it and then this next week of course will be what leach used to call you know your pre-camp like uh you know you basically your dress rehearsal we're going to go through game week the week before the game we're going to go through everything get everybody on the same page and uh you know assign scout team and that kind of stuff and then we'll start in earnest kind of getting ready for southeastern so again that's not a new Zach Arnett thing. That's something that Leach did for three years, and we always knew. Now, granted, we used to get to go to practice the entire time until the week before game week. But uh, very grateful for the access that we have. There's some people around the conference that never get to see their team practice. They can't even go out there and see who's in a no-contact jersey or anything like that. They just go into a, a room and wait for media relations to bring them some players. And, and so it's important to understand that um, we get – good access from Mississippi State. It's important that people understand that. I remember every time there was a change, people were like, I don't understand what a limited access. Just calm down. Okay, We're the ones with the access, and I can tell you, I think the way we're doing it now, getting our access toward the end of practice before interviews is better for us. So instead of us having to go at the beginning of practice and watch guys stretch and work through individual drills before practice really gets started, you don't learn much from that but at least we get to see some team drills and we get to see some of the younger guys run around. And then when that period is over, we go right into uh, interviews. So it's a real efficient use of our time, but also too, we're getting the greater benefit of seeing some actual football practice and not just some pre-practice drills. So don't, don't get outraged on our behalf. We're absolutely perfect with this arrangement. I, I can assure you, we are absolutely, I speak for everybody in the media. This is a much better arrangement for us because it's a better use of our time, but also, too, the periods of practice we get to observe are much more beneficial to allow us to share with you guys kind of what's really going on, right? Because you get to see the first-team offense line up in in its entirety and go through team drills and throw the football around a little bit and uh, kind of see how the depth chart is kind of shaking out. And again, you know, that's running out, too, and this is the last week of that, and then we'll kind of begin to transition and get ready to go. Alright, before we get out of here, I'll tell you that the uh the book is in the can. When the bottom falls, you can go to WhenTheBottomfalls.com. You can pre-order the new book, and while you're there, all of my sports books are there too. There are four of them. Flim Flam, Stark villains Alpha Dogs, and Dog Pile. If you if you don't have them, you need to get them. I meet people all the time and say, Hey, I got your book. And I'm like, which one? Oh, you wrote more than one? Yeah, I've written six. And I don't mean that out of arrogance or haughtiness. I just want you to know we're doing the best we can to market this for you. But uh uh, the book is in the can, it's being laid out now, it'll soon be off the print. I gotta pick out some pictures this week, and that's really the last thing I gotta do. And I don't know how much of that I wanna do. They go pick out some pictures and scan them in and send them in, they'll decorate them a little bit and kind of modernize them and digitize them and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, you'll get to see, you know, some pictures of me. How about that? As a young buck, when I had short hair. So uh, excited about it and a, a good day of sales yesterday I have a lot of people that have reached out and said hey now that it's getting close uh takes about five weeks to print a book could be four could be six so we're telling people late september so again it's already in the hands of the gentleman uh that lays everything out they take these word documents and then turn them into book pages and then they'll go through and do a final read to make sure the layout is good and it goes off to print gets in line to print and next thing you know they're binding the book and Putting the book jackets on and uh, we're putting them in in uh, your mailbox so again when the bottom falls.com but you know hey if you've got the old urls like dog pile the book it all goes the same place it all goes the same place be sure and check it out uh what's crazy too is that somebody reminded me the last couple of shows i have not mentioned where to get stark villains gear i think you would know but I, out of the blue i had somebody i said hey i went to go get Uh, a Stark Villain t-shirt, and I couldn't remember the name of it. And uh, so it's starkvillains.com, and uh, that is officially trademarked. Even though your t-shirt may not reflect it, I own that. Uh, Back Registered June 23rd of 2020. How about that? So happy to have that. It's a pretty cool thing to be able to have that. But uh, you can rep the brand at starkvillains.com. I think Stark Villain is amazing. I do. I, I, I love the title. I like what it stands for. I love the layout of it. Uh, be sure and go check it out. And if you're not a member at jeanspage.com, you certainly should be. We are the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, giving you unprecedented coverage of Mississippi State athletics. And uh, what's interesting to me, there are a lot of people out there that are kind of similarly situated that, like, don't go to practices. And I'm talking, you know, around the conference, right? They, they don't have the ability to go to practice. And that's kind of, kind of goes hand in hand with what I was just talking about, about how you know, we get access to be able to kind of paint you guys the picture. Uh, and, there's, you know, we have a pretty good group of our guys on the beat that go to practice. And it's not always perfect attendance. As a matter of fact, I'm going to miss a couple practices this week myself. Uh, but the reality of it is is that with the access that we're granted and the team that we have, nobody is doing a better job than us, period. I'll put us up against anybody. And uh, that's not to say that uh, there won't be some changes at some point. There will be. I mean, nobody lives and works forever. I mean, you know, goodness, I got uh, you know a lot of people here. It's tough to keep a band together, much less uh, a group this big. But this football season, there's not going to be any better place to follow your Bulldogs than at jeanspage.com. And uh, listen, I, I love the fact that we've got such a great relationship. I had so many people. I've, I've had bad, touch on a bad day the other day, and uh, went to town. And I kept running into people. Man, I'm so excited about the new book. Love the website. Listen to the podcast. And uh, you, you guys don't know what that means to me. I mean, honestly, I'm a guy sometimes, I told you earlier in the show, sometimes I get depressed. I do. And uh, sometimes I wonder if anybody's even listening. I mean, I keep sending a checks. I mean, so somebody's got to be. But, you know, you never know. You know, and then I get these reports in that says, hey, we're having the bigger year than we've ever had uh, on the boneyard. But it's nice to be able to put a face with the analytics when somebody comes up and says, man, I love the show. I love the fact that um, you kind of call it for what it is. And that's one of the things that I've always prided myself upon. Uh, number one, I love Mississippi State. And some of you may see me as coming down on more of the positive side. Um, I've never met a pessimist that didn't fashion themselves as a realist. It's funny how that works. And, uh, you know, there's always things like, I mean, like last year. I mean, like. You know it's the same people with the same discussions the names just change you know last year that was the big discussion okay we're gonna fire mike leach at the end of the year have you forgotten that i haven't that was the big discussion and so i knew you know barring some off the field scandal that mike leach wasn't gonna be fired period and it sounds so crazy to talk about him like that in this light considering what happened at the end of the year but even in the middle of the year, they're like people had fallen so in love with their narrative. It's almost like we're pulling against Mississippi State. And as I've shared with you guys before, I am for Mississippi State and everybody else is for Mississippi State. We went 9 and 4 last year, won the Golden Egg, won the bowl game, finished in the top 20. And there's a segment of our fans that did not have the opportunity to enjoy that because they were so invested in their own narrative. And so I'm going to encourage you take a breath. You know we got zach arnett so it's a new staff there's a lot of new things that are happening but guys sports is supposed to be fun and when you've gone out there on mess sports and social media and attribute things to your sources which is i got a guy to text me you know and then it's like well this is what i want to happen it's like we speak into a vacuum it's like well i wanted mike leach gone so anytime something happens that i feel supports that narrative that's the drum we're going to beat and you beat it all year long and so if he loses the Egg Bowl he's got to go well then we win the Egg ball. and you couldn't even enjoy it so let's just take it game by game and enjoy the journey we're not going to play the Egg ball in August we're going to play it in November and we're going to win and Zach Arnett's going to put together a good team this year and you know what? Are there going to be some growing pains? You better believe it there will be, especially offensively. Early on, there'll be some, there'll be some things that don't go our way. You know, I mean, we probably don't win every game we expect to. We'll probably win one we're not expecting to, too. But let's kind of put our differences aside now and let's unite behind Mississippi State football and Zach Arnett and this uh, this quality football team you got, let's go see what happens. You know, let's stop trying to fire everybody. You know, that's that's what happens. You know, it's like, and I think about that too. It's like when you begin to think about what we've gone through the last three years, from the very first moment Nikki McRae got here, we had people that won fire. And since we lost to South Florida, we get one fire. And since all we heard until she resigned, and and God rest her soul, right? And so as soon as we get that handled, well, then we want to fire Ben Howland. And then we do. And then we want to fire Mike Leach. Now we want to fire Chris Simonis. You know, and so for four years or three years now, we have basically been in this mix where our fan base has had all this angst. We're always attacking somebody. And I get it. I want to win just like you guys do. In everything. Everything. But just for a while, can we kind of settle in here and enjoy football season and enjoy the fact that we're probably going to prove a lot of people wrong? And you know, we may get to the end of the year and say, you know what, maybe we didn't know as much as we thought. But let's not let our loyalty waver, because those coaches and those players are wearing the Mississippi State logo. And that's where my allegiance lies, and I hope that's the same for you. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.